I'd like to turn back to Matthew chapter 18. Today is not a a deep exegetical sermon uh, unpacking the deep uh, uh, truths of this passage. I'm rather going to be uh, simple and clear, I hope, and thematic. We're going to look at uh, verse uh, 4 of chapter 18, uh, where Jesus um, uh, uses the example of a little child and says, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children... You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And we're reminded of the great counterintuitive nature of the message of Jesus Christ. He always did things that people didn't expect. And so he would take a little child who everyone else was saying, Go away. The master's busy. He's far too important to deal with children. You'll need to speak to the bouncers first, or whatever it was. And the people generally, children were to be seen at best but not heard. And yet Jesus draws the child in, takes the children, sits them on his knee, and uses them as an illustration, just as he did with so many other ordinary things. He used them as illustrations for deep spiritual truth, counter-cultural, revolutionary, radical in his teaching. And so whenever we get to the place where we sit back and we feel proud or we feel that we know it all or we feel we're important or significant and that, well, Jesus needs to accept me because of who I am. And because I'm really, I'm doing Jesus a great favor to be in his kingdom. Then we need to listen and learn uh, from what Jesus says about the gospel and says about children and says about humility because there is a great... um, oxymoron that we could use the proud Christian should never happen shouldn't be the case we shouldn't ever be people who are in our relationships in our understanding of the gospel in our theology uh, in our conversation in the way we reach out to people we should never be proud there is simply no place for us as believers to say look at me Or to say, compared to them, I am such and such. Because the gospel reminds us uh, that uh, narrow is the way uh, into the kingdom. And that is because uh, proud heads swell and simply can't follow Jesus into the narrow way. There's a great humbling of ourselves coming to Christ. And so what I want to do just for a little while is learn from children. Now I know it's uh, it's a bit... uh, daft to do that today because none of the children are here uh, they've all been at the earlier service they all got up early had three or four hours of worship before they came to church came to the early service and they're now going back to fast for the rest of the day but for the rest of us we can still imagine that the children are here and you can you can think of children you know and learn from them uh, as we go through this passage we learn from the little children and uh, think of what some of the other uh, verses in scripture have to say Uh, about children and about uh, using them as an illustration of living the Christian life. And so I think the first thing I'd like to say is uh, the importance of little children and then the importance of learning from them. And I want us to learn from them through the teaching of the New Testament uh, very briefly this morning. And I think we learn and recognize, apart from the humility of entering the kingdom of heaven and, and all that Jesus says here, is the great sense that Jesus used the example of children because they have it intuitively within them a great sense of belonging Um, uh, there's this great sense in which children feel secure 
and safe in the family environment. Now, Ben mentioned a little bit about that on Wednesday night when he was leading the prayer meeting and he talked about uh, being afraid uh, when he went to bed at nights uh, with the curtains open. And uh, then when his parents, he didn't feel quite secure until his parents came into the bedroom and closed the curtains. He couldn't do it, but he knew they would come and close the curtains. And from the moment he closed the curtains, everything was safe and secure. And that kind of is just an illustration and a picture of the, the sense of belonging that children enjoy and know uh, in the best of families. Uh, we know that in the world, and even as we think of illustrations uh, using children, we recognize in this broken and sinful world that's not always the case. But we recognize in a home of love and in a home of security, there's this great belonging. And uh, there's great sense in which this is their whole world. And this is what is significant to them. And the thoughts and the attitudes and the opinions of their parents are really the opinions that matter. And I'm generally speaking about younger, smaller children, as I think Jesus is mainly speaking about when he uses little children as an illustration. And that, that time when they first leave home, we're talking on raising funds today for camps, uh, and the first time they leave home and go to camp, and they're homesick because their mum isn't there or their dad isn't there. And uh, it can be a terrible thing to be homesick, to lose that sense of belonging, to lose that sense of security, and lose that sense of uh, being part of that family, which in many ways is the whole world. And kids don't really know what's going on in the world. And they don't know of a lot of the anguish that maybe our parents are going through, because our, parent, our parents shelter them from that. And in the same way, Romans 8, 16 says, the Spirit testifies himself, testifies with our spirit, uh, that we are God's children. And so there's this great sense that we also know and understand the belonging that comes from accepting Jesus Christ and humbly falling at the foot of the cross, recognizing our spiritual need and asking Jesus to redeem us and asking the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts and to enable us to be assured that we belong to Jesus Christ and that in him all is safe. I think, I think this week that is a hugely significant thing for us. Uh, nations rise and fall and the political environment uh, is so unstable uh, at the moment it's a great thing and I do believe there's a lot of my friends and a lot of colleagues that I know not colleagues in the ministry but people I know who have been really hugely unsettled by what has happened this week the, as, it, as it were their whole world has been uh, their expectation and the future hope they had for themselves and their children they feel has been broken apart. Now, I'm not taking any sides in any, any referendum here, but there's that sense of tremendous instability. But it's a great reminder to us, isn't it, that these great nation states and these great leaders and these great um, uh, formulations of political power come and go. And through the centuries there has been. And yet we have in Jesus Christ a great sense of belonging. Let's not forget that and let's not fail to take that opportunity to testify to the solidity and the security and the belonging that we have in Jesus Christ. We belong to him. Even though we die, yet we will live in him. And nation states will rise and fall for better or worse, but we must pray and seek that this will be for better. However, it, that will happen. Uh, we look for that. Whatever the uh, um, final decision would have been, we look for it to be better for us and above all, for it to be spiritually good. So that great sense of belonging that we, we learn from children. There's also a great sense of innocence 
than children. I think that is part of what Jesus says uh, here and what he says elsewhere. You know what? Kids take things at face value. There's an innocent about them. Now, for me, I love that because I can tell them lies and they believe me. And it's as easy as a parent. It's great. You can tell kids all kinds of things. If they don't behave, there's a monster behind the door and it's going to bite their head off if they don't go to bed. All these kind of things. We can tell them lots of things because they love us and because they believe us and because we're their parents. And so there's a great innocence there. There's a great transparency. Our children were very poor and probably remain till this day very poor at lying. Uh, And when they lie, we could see right through them. We knew exactly, you're lying, you're not telling the truth. Because there's a transparency very often uh, when truth is uh, uh, valued in, in a home. There's generally not a cynicism about children. I know the world in which we live and I know the brokenness of the world and I know the sad thing that we often see younger and younger children at primary and primary level becoming more and less and less innocent and uh, more and more cynical and more and more adult-like. But that's that's not right. That's not how God intended it. There's an innocence of childhood that is being lost, I believe, in the society in which we live. Now, interestingly, in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, uh, in regard to evil, be infants. So he wants us to use that, uh, the understanding of infants, of very young children uh, who have that innocence and that naivety about them. He wants us to apply that spiritually to our lives. And he wants you mature, holy, grown-up Christians. When it, when it comes to evil, be like little children. Be naive. You know, we, we, don't, we don't need to be worldly wise when it comes to evil. Oh yeah, I need to know all these things so I can speak into them. And I can understand them and, and realize what's good we don't it's a good thing to be naive it's a good thing to be innocent when it comes to evil we don't need to seek it out there's plenty of it so in our christian lives uh, we uh, listen to what paul says and with regard to evil we're innocent we don't we're not we're not to be attracted to sinful uh, evil behavior we're not to be uh, 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 hypocritical or two-faced or cynical in our christian lives or cynical about other Christians, say, well, that's, that, that's not what they're really like. We're not to make judgments that are, are, are deeply cynical about the, the world in which we live and the, those around us. We are to have that sense and that degree of innocence and transparency. Jesus, above all things, hates hypocrisy, doesn't he? He speaks about it most. Looking like one thing publicly, acting like uh, another thing in our own lives and in our own hearts regard to lust and greed and selfishness and all of these respectable sins that we can hide and that aren't classified. We, we recognize them and see them. And uh, in our lives, we are to be winsome. We are to be ethical. We are to be uh, morally upright. And that's, that's a reversal process that goes on. And we learned just in the second half of that verse in 1 Corinthians 14 that uh, we're to be mature when it comes to learning. But uh, there's, a, there's a reversal of our life when it comes to in, uh, innocence and when it comes to morality and when it comes to ethical purity. We are to become more and more childlike, more and more pure. And that, for you, because it will be for me and is a daily battle. If you go into tomorrow thinking you don't need Jesus, thinking you don't need the Holy Spirit, thinking you don't need a miracle of grace to take you through that day, then uh, 
I don't think you understand your own heart. And I don't think you understand fully the gospel. And I'm sure none of us ultimately do recognize our own heart. So there's that great sense in which uh, we are to learn innocence from them. I think also we're to have, uh, uh, as we learn from uh, children and become like little children, an eagerness to learn. Okay, an eagerness to learn. Kids, generally speaking, have a huge brain capacity. Uh, you come to my age, you just kind of, your brain's just dying. You can't live, you're very slow. You're not learning things. It takes ages to write sermons. More and more. But young, I think, between the age of uh, three and ten, this the, the age when kids or people learn most. Their, their brains are tremendous. They're like sponges. They're, and they're eager to learn. And, and they're eager to mimic and follow and uh, uh, take uh, example from others. They, they, learn, they learn good and bad examples. Can I say, parents, be very careful. Because your kids will learn good and bad examples from you. And then if you first see your kid doing something that you're angry with, that you recognize, because you did it. And they're quick to mimic, and they're quick to example, and they're quick to learn. And yet, there's a, that's a great thing that we are to mimic in our own lives as believers. First Peter 1.14 says, and he uses strong language, as obedient children, obedient children to Jesus, he says, don't conform with the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. He wants us to learn. But also from uh, Matthew 11, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So you come to God's, you come to worship, uh, and part of that uh, um, uh, experience of worship is learning. It's learning from God's word. It's coming to church and saying, right, okay, we're going to open scripture. Uh, We're going to hear God's word being uh, explained. We believe the Holy Spirit uses that. Uh, The Holy Spirit knows the week that I've come from. The Holy Spirit knows my heart as I've come in. The Holy Spirit wants to teach me from his word. And I'm willing to learn. So, Preacher's job's made really easy if you come with that attitude. If you come saying, what's God going to say from his word? Because remember, I have to say that too. It's not like you're coming saying, I wonder what Derek's got to say, uh, new and exciting, or Corey or Tom. It's that we are all under the word, and we all come, and if we're not taught by it first ourselves, very unlikely we'll be able to teach uh, and bring that to others. But that makes the preacher's job tremendously easy. If you come with a heart that will draw out the truth, because you know, there's a sense in the spirit works, he will draw out the truth from the preacher in a, in a great way that makes it a lot easier to preach. But if you come and say, okay, I'm going to give the preacher marks out of 10 today, and I dare him to make me interested, he is really going to have to work hard to get my attention because I'm bored and I've got lots in my mind. And I don't want him to come with us a half-baked sermon. He's going to have to really impress me with new knowledge and new insight and things I haven't learned before. That generally, and I, I can say these things because I've been there. I do that. And it's easy to do, isn't it? And I'm not saying, uh, love me, love me, I'm thick. But what I am saying is that there's a sense in which you must draw out the truth with a humility. We all must be humbly under the word. And we must listen for what God is saying uh, with an eagerness to learn so that we can maybe come at the end of the service or go home maybe 20 minutes or half an hour or an hour after the service and say, well, 
I wonder if you did that today, how many of you would remember the passage we read from? Or would be able to say, man, God really knows what's in my heart today. He absolutely knows what I needed to hear. Or, or he spoke very powerfully in something in the singing or in the prayer or in the call to worship that Derek couldn't possibly know and have anything about. And so there's a, a revisit the word, revisit the preaching uh, and apply it to it, digest that truth, allow it to go. Because generally what happens after church is we all talk together, which is great and which is completely natural and it would be unnatural to do anything else. But in so doing, don't let the seed that's sown become sown on hard ground. Go, go back at some point in the day and take the word and apply it and let it nurture and let it grow and, and let it uh, be stimulated in your mind and let it progress uh, through the word of God. So an eagerness to learn. But also that great sense of being under discipline. Children, whether they would uh, verbalize it or not, they recognize instinctively and intuitive, intuitively that they're under discipline. Um, they will ask if they are a right good children for permission, wouldn't they? I remember the day when kids used to have to ask to leave the table after a meal. Do any kids do that today? I'm not sure. Our kids certainly don't. Uh, but it was a nice thing. Can I leave the table? I should really ask hands up if you all did that. Maybe you didn't. But it's just a mark of, of uh, I think, recognising uh, being under discipline. We were talking with the kids today about uh, being uh, obedient to your parents, and we've got some great examples of uh, uh, obeying uh, and of disobeying and uh, of what it means to be under God's under their parents' discipline because their parents love them and all that went with that. Uh, and yet there's that recognition within them uh, that they know. They know they're under discipline. If any of your parents here, or if any of you have been small children, which you all have, <laughs> then you'll remember possibly the day when you did something wrong and you hid in the cupboard because you didn't want to be found out. You knew you'd done something wrong. I was just like Adam and Eve in the garden. They knew they hid from God. It's an utterly natural reaction. And we do it. We hide. We hide from God. And we hide from our parents when we have done something wrong. But as obedient children, verse Peter 1, 14, do not conform to evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. So there's a sense that we recognize. As the children recognize in the Lord, under the Lord, that we are under discipline, loving, good protective, perfect, sovereign, blessed discipline. A great thing. The parameters that we so badly need are given to us by the Lord because he loves us. Because they are parameters that are, that are painted in his blood. They're parameters that are given to us because of his work on the cross that allow us to follow him and serve him and love him because of who he is. And we recognize if we know our own hearts, that we need his discipline, that we need his guidance because our hearts, our hearts move towards unbelief and they move towards disobedience because of the remaining sin in us. Hebrews 12, 5, My son, my child, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and don't lose heart when the Lord rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves. Have, have we matured enough in our faith to recognize the Lord's discipline? Or, or do we find that when things go wrong for us or when we feel that God has been mean to us, we're just angry with him? That we can't discern the difference between 
discipline, loving discipline, and kind of vindictive wrath. But we choose the latter because it's easier to rebel against. Rather than humbly like little children, recognizing God knows best. And there'll be things he will do for us and do with us in our lives to draw us back to himself. And any parent here will know, as their children grow older, the heartache of being a parent. The heartache of trying to draw our children away from things that are wrong. And we are powerless to do so in, in many cases and often. And maybe as children you've, you're aware of having rebelled against your parents in tremendously hurtful and brutal ways. And yet Jesus and our Father in heaven will deal with us perfectly and will draw us to himself. And if we stick our fingers up at him and rebel as believers, he will not leave us. He will draw us back to himself uh, with cords of love. But it may be in ways that will break us and break our pride. Because he knows pride is disastrous and is cancerous for us. So we're under discipline. Uh, I think also kids, and just a couple of things before we close, kids also are those who uh, don't pretend, I don't think, uh, to have all the answers. Kids are, as I said, they're learning all the time and and they're quite open about uh, not knowing, generally speaking, (laughs) uh, unless they're know-alls. Uh, but generally speaking, kids will ask uh, when they don't know. Uh, they, they are willing to learn. They don't pretend to uh, have all the answers. And they're easily bewildered and easily confused. Why? Why is this? Why should that happen? And they want to know more and more. And I think we do a great disservice as parents to our children if we think we have all the answers for them. We do great disservice to one another as Christians if we think we've got all the answers as Christians. And certainly as uh, ministers, as leaders in the church, we do great disservice if we somehow have to have such a stiff upper lip and a such uh, an, an infinite knowledge of everything that we can't admit to not knowing all the answers. I like the attitude of the father who comes to Jesus uh, with his ill son and says, in, uh, Lord, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why he's like this. I don't know why he isn't being healed. And I don't know why I don't believe. But Lord, help me. That's a great prayer. That's a great prayer for children, but it's a great prayer for grown-ups too. Lord, I believe, but please help my unbelief. Help me in my lack of knowledge. Help me in my lack of answers. And grant me the peace and the serenity to know that you know even when I can't. And lastly, and briefly in this, I think uh, we learn from children uh, who Christ examples us their humility and the rest of the New Testament gives us different examples. I think there's a great sense in which uh, children are often a great example to us in their playful, uh, loving attitude. Uh, It's great to watch kids play in a garden. It's great to watch them Uh, Even say, for example, when someone in the family is bereaved, it's brilliant to have a child there. Because children keep things really on an even keel. And children will cry, but then they'll go out and play in the swings in the midst of a deep bereavement. 
because there's an innocence and a kind of happiness about them that allows them to work through these things. And, and, and this is completely by the way, but in grief, don't shelter your children and their kids from grief. Don't, protect, don't make them think it isn't happening. Let them be part of it. Let them see mourning and grieving. Take them to a funeral of a friend or a family member. It's important that they see these things. They deal with it much better often than adults do. And so don't shade them from that part of that side of life. But also learn from their laughter and their joy. You know, you never, you've probably never laughed as much as you laughed when you were a child. And you probably never laugh as much as when you do when you're with children. And you know, uncontrollable, stupid, uh, uh, irrational laughter. It's great for the body, great for the soul. You're laughing at nothing in particular but maybe a silly face or a silly noise. And children are great at that. And it's important for us uh, to recognize um, Romans 8.21, the great freedom into which we have been called as children of God. Freedom to not carry the weight of the world on our shoulders, but to be able to laugh sometimes and dance and rejoice. And uh, Paul, he speaks uh, to the believers in Corinth, says, as a fair exchange for 2 Corinthians 6.13, I speak to you as my children, open wide your hearts also. And he sensed, he could see this, this child-parent relationship, one of an open-heartedness and a joyfulness as well, and a loving giving uh, of yourself. Uh, you know, we, he, Paul often speaks about giving of himself. I didn't just give you my, my, my teaching, I gave you myself, my heart, my life. And uh, we seek to give that love and learn from the love of children. And you know how it is, how quickly a child in your company may be a bit cautious at first and then you bring a toy out. Or today, for example, I had the bonanza. I had all the sweets. And as I could give these sweets out and the kids would come around me and they would love me. And I was great, Father Derek. And they'd give them all the sweets. And they all love you because, you know, quickly they get over that fear and they, they will open it. And how lovely it is to, to be able to hug a child that you, you just met and how quickly they can open their arms to accept you because of that innocence and yet that willingness to give of their hearts and how sad it is uh, when we see children who are so broken in their lives, so broken in their family circumstances, so broken by experience that they're afraid of people and they're afraid to open their hearts. They're afraid to speak. They're afraid to laugh and be joyful. So I uh, believe we learn as children of Jesus, of the Lord God, and a brother to Jesus Christ, and as children, uh, spiritual children of God, that we learn from our own children and learn as children uh, of God to be loving to one another and joyful, you know? Joy is a huge part of the Christian testimony. You know, it's not a great testimony to your unbelieving friends if you're constantly miserable. Well, why would they be attracted to that? There's plenty of misery generally anyway. That, you know, and we say, well, my joy is really deep down. Yeah, we'll show it sometimes. It's not a sin to show the joy. We know we've got peace in our hearts. And we know we've got joy with Jesus. But, you know, let's actually show it now and again, as children do. And not be you know, so suppressed as people that we can't show our Christian joy. I'm not talking about being slapstick, and I, I often say that from here. It's not about being slapstick, but it's having a deep-seated, real, uh, reflective, testimonial of joy in our lives because 
you know, whatever happens in the football or whatever happens in politics or whatever happens with our jobs or whatever happens with our bank account, God loves us. He loves us so much that he sent his son to deal with the separation between ourselves and him that would have kept us from him forever in an eternal hell. And he has done that. And we are in him, his children. And we have great reason to share our hearts, share our love, and share our joy. So Christianity is a paradox. We grow up by growing down, by becoming like children. But of course, uh, within that, in regard to evil, be innocent, but in your thinking, be adults. So my concluding word there is from 1 Corinthians 14.20. In regard to evil, be innocent, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. In other words, mature and grow up as we are encouraged. We are to grow up in our faith. We are to uh, become mature in Christ. We are to bear fruit. We are to show whose we are and who we serve. And we will become that way when we are humble and follow many of the New Testament uh, injunctions to mimic children. So let's bow our heads and pray for that. Lord God, help us, we pray. Teach us to learn from the children, you know. We can learn from them so much. We see them around about us. Uh, If we are parents, then we are constantly on a learning curve uh, about being parents, but also about being Christians and we learn so much from our children and may we humbly uh, be your children and may we know how much we have still to learn from our father may we rejoice that our heavenly father is not like is is infinitely greater than even the most loving and glorious of earthly parents many of whom we will testify to having today Um, and many of us will have the memory of having had that then But even where that hasn't been the case, where children will have, and maybe grown-ups now will have bad memories of their own earthly parents and the experiences they went through, may we know that our Heavenly Father is infinitely greater, is infinitely perfect, is glorious in his goodness, has nothing but our absolute blessing at heart in Christ who has presently given us life to the full and who promises us in the new heavens and the new earth an outstanding family environment of covenantal grace and goodness and fullness and excitement and joy and laughter and exploration and uh, wholeness and fullness that we simply can't even imagine or understand but we believe by faith in the land promise and the promise of the new heavens and the new earth wherein will dwell righteousness and help us to live in this world of instability and of change to live with that security and with that belonging and with that hope for we ask it in jesus name amen